Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Dude. What's up? What's going on, man? Hi there. James Boom Boom Washington, or what was it? Is his first name James? Freddie. Freddie. Freddie Boom Boom Washington. Hi there. Hi there. And uh, Epstein, Juan Epstein. He used to get notes that were signed Epstein's mother. That's right. right. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's Horshack. Arnold Horshack. And then we got what? Where? What was his name? Um, John Revolting. Yeah, but what was the character's name? Vincent Barbarino. Vinny, was it Barbarino? Or was it Bar- Vinny Barbarino? Vinny Barbarino. Yeah, we're talking about Welcome Back, Cotter. We're, we're dating ourselves Mr. Again. Woodman. The oh. principal. And then uh, his wife was named what? Cotter's wife was named what? Julie, maybe? That might be right. Yeah, we're really dating ourselves. We're talking about a 1970s sitcom. I think it probably played from 75 to 78 or something like that called Welcome Back, Cotter. Probably no more than two years. And the theme was written by... Um, Oh, I can't think of his name. Welcome back. Your dreams are your ticket out. I wish I could sing, but I can't. But yeah. Cat Stevens. No, it wasn't Cat Stevens. But yeah, that was a very strange show. Launching the career of John Travolta, pretty much. He was the guy who That's really right. became a big star after that. He did Saturday Night Fever after that, and the rest is history. And Gabe Kaplan became a poker player. Well, yeah, and before poker became the huge thing that it has been in the past three years, you know, where it really launched itself right. on ESPN. It's a sport now. Yeah, Gabe Kaplan used to do the color commentary for the World Series of Poker, but that was What's when up? ESPN didn't show it during the day. They showed it like 2 a.m. on ESPN 3 and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. Kaplan was the color guy. But now poker's like off the chain. It's everywhere. It's, it's off the heezy. Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's it's everywhere, and now they don't have Kaplan doing it anymore. They've got he just you know, plays. He's a yeah, player. Yeah, he's a player. He's a player hater. Don't be a hater. Be a player. Don't don't hate the don't hate the player. Hate the game. I think that's the saying. Well, the good news is we have the uh, good microphones back. Can you tell? I can tell to my ear. I can tell. You know why and, I can tell? Because I'm looking at him. That's right. <laughs> it's obvious by looking at him. And I'll just tell the story really quick. I sent him back prior to the. Uh, Labor Day weekend, and they got them on Tuesday, the Tuesday after Labor Day, and they were in my mailbox on Friday. So the I just wanted to give a heads up, a props to the Shure Microphone Company because their f- customer service is phenomenal. They make great mics. We're talking in a Shure KSM44s right now, which is their top-of-the-line mic. It's actually their best mic. It sounds better when you uh, wrap it in bacon fat. When you wrap it with a pencil. And you, and you deep fry it. Like that. Yeah, it wasn't a pencil. <laughs> no, that was my finger. It was just a pencil on that geek. That was my finner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's what I am. Yeah. Hey. What does that make you? <laughs> a pencil neck geek. Uh, Wannabe? Sidekick? I don't know. That's it. Yeah, you are you are Robin. <laughs> Would that make you the Batman? It might. What hey, lots, of, lots of cool something? stuff. In the, I want to run through a couple of news items here. Jerry Lewis doesn't like fags, apparently. 
Oh, yeah. I What was that about? You said he did say something uh, inappropriate. Yeah. And I have my story, too, which I can tell. Yeah, the uh, Muscular Dystrophy Association had its its annual telethon. As they do on, on Labor Day. Labor Day. And uh, it was an all-day thing. And the national telethon's been going on 42 years. And despite the fact that Jerry Lewis may be a little inappropriate, I think it's also important to point out that he's he's really affected the lives of a lot of people in a positive way. Look at Ronald Jenkins. <laughs> no, seriously. He's doing a Jerry Lewis impersonation all day long. You know, they've raised so much money and yes, they they're have. they're on their way to a cure and the money as they point out on the telethon goes not only to research, it goes to very simple things like this guy needs a wheelchair, let's get him a wheelchair. And that's huge. He's yes. helping people. So yeah. anyway, what, what did he? What dumb thing did well, he no, do this the, time? Here's here's the thing. Jerry Lewis is a relic. I was saying this today. He's a relic. This guy is one of the Rat Pack hangers on, or one of the the I don't know. The Rat Pack being it was kind of like the Dean Martin a halo of, of the Rat Pack. Sammy Davis and um, uh, Sinatra, right. and uh, there's one other guy who wasn't as famous as them who was in there. I forget what his name was, but. Um, I think it was Lou Dobbs. No. <laughs> Anyways, was, uh, howdy duty. That's right. So Jerry Lewis, he he's the host of this telethon, and he's he's. I'm not saying he's ancient. He's an older guy, but he's from a different generation. Seventy eight, I think. He where is, you actually. you could you could joke about someone's ethnicity, where you couldn't say that today. I mean, I mean, it, it's one of those deals where being politically correct just didn't exist in his era. Right, and Rickles is the same way. Rickles' humor is... <laughs> that was is, his whole shtick. It's very ethnic, and it's very dated, you know? Right. And uh, it, to some people in today's world, it might be a little offensive. Yeah, so it, during the telethon, I, and I think from the reports, it was like he, he was awake for like 38 million hours. Well, he, you, you gotta be. He was sleep-deprived. And he's doing one of those time filler things where he's going on and he's just, wa- he's just walking through and talking to his cameramen and cue card people. And, and actually, those are sort of the fun moments at the telethon. The, the, the part of the show that's really loose and not super produced and like where things are right down to the minute and down to the letter. He just improvs, you know? Yeah. And he said something about, you know. Not when he does this necessarily. <laughs> he said something like, here's my fag producer or something. Like that. Or he's such a fag. Something like that. But, you know, it's one of those deals where I could see the situation. I'm not holding anything against him because I could see the situation. Like, say Rich and I were just go- goofing around. We're sleep deprived. And they go, oh, you stupid Polak. Something like that. He would call me a greaseball in, in response. No harm, no foul. We do it all the time. We've done it on the show. Actually, right. I'm pretty sure. But Jerry Lewis is in front of millions of people on, yeah. on television. But the thing is, he was sleep deprived. He's joking around with people he knows intimately, I'm sure. And right. he and, called one guy, oh, you stupid fag or something and, and like that. And at his house by the pool, drinking a Mai Tai. Right. Because, you know, you and I say stuff that's even more offensive than Polak and Greaseball when right. we're off mic. I mean, we all do it. Let's face it, right? Right. I actually think ethnic humor is funny. I wish people were comfortable enough about not being offended by ethnic humor where you could say something and people wouldn't be offended. I mean, that's the the kind of fearing words is something that I think is kind of dumb. And I understand that a lot of people have reason to because they've been, you know, bigoted. People have treated them in bigoted ways their whole life. So I'm absolutely... I understand that. But Yeah, there's some serious pendulum swinging going on here, though. Because, I mean, give the guy a break. I mean... On on balance, the the article should have been Jerry Lewis raises this year thirty million dollars no, no, and no. sixty one million. Sixty one million. That doesn't count dollars. corporate sponsors. Those are just people. Personal donations. And you know what? I donated and doubled my money. Did you? I usually donate on the. Did MBA. your office uh, double it? Or no, something? no. But I was watching the local 
cast, how they go local for 15 minutes out of every hour. And they said, for the next hour, X business, and I honestly don't remember what the business was, or I would actually say their name, they will match every pledge we get in the next hour. Which Wow. And then suddenly the phone started ringing off the hook. So I threw them 25 bucks and made it count for 50. So I had That's one. very of, cool. Yeah. And it took me, boy, I, once they said that, I couldn't even dial. It was all busy signals for like 20 minutes. I just kept hitting redial. Well, I guess what I'm getting at is that if, if I had my druthers, the article would have been Jerry Lewis raises a buttload of money, a boatload of money. And during a the shitload, even even. Yeah. Um, and during the, the telethon, he was so tired. He even made some off color remarks, you know, off the cuff by accident. And I think they should have left it at that. You yeah, know? he believe me, there's far worse things he could have said. I mean, what they've never said that on Dharma and Greg or whatever that show was. Well, I they mean, say all sorts of I mean, if you ever watch Will and Grace, that's, they, that's, that's the one I mean. Yeah, they're they're making gay humor the the core of their their show. But right. one person makes a, a little quip off the cuff and suddenly well, he's a gay basher. The other thing that I was talking to you about a little while ago was the very first act was Matsuri, I think they were called. And they're playing at one of the Vegas hotels and there were 25 uh, men and women. And they were kind of these gymnast slash dancers. And I didn't really think they were all that good. But they came out and they did their thing. And then Jerry Lewis said something like, geez, I guess there's nobody working at Benihana's tonight. There you go. Again. I mean, you know, it's not the worst thing you can say. But it it, it is a little... I won't even use the word off-color. Because to me, off-color is is something that goes with swear words or something. It's it's minorly offensive, you know? Saying something like that certainly will alienate a few people in the audience. I mean, it's not the worst thing. He didn't come out and say the F word. or. Right. But then again, I've, I saw, I remember 15 or 20 years ago, um, we used to go to my aunt's for every Labor Day. And uh, that was like part of the, the, the end of the summer celebration, the same aunt that we used to do our Christmas right. celebrations with. And we're not doing those anymore. But I remember in the late 80s, some person accused... Jerry Lewis of going for the sympathy angle. You know, they would show the video of the kid in the wheelchair and this, play the sad music and then donate money. You know, they were going for the sympathy angle. And yeah, they sure, he used to do that. Well, muscular dystrophy is a pretty terrible thing to acquire. Why shouldn't that well, be a little bit Well, who's going to donate sad? money if he shows the kids playing basketball? <laughs> yeah, right. So somebody was very, very critical of Jerry Lewis. And he took the last few minutes of the telecast. Sammy Davis always used to close the show when he was alive. So after Sammy finished his thing, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I got to address this. I'm really upset about X so-and-so person saying that we're going for the sympathy vote or whatever you want to call it. And he said, you know what, Ed, Ed McMahon, right? He goes, you know what, Ed? Screw him. Screw them. And he said it, <laughs> he said it on the air. And I just heard Ed McMahon going, no, Jerry, to heck with them. Oh, to yeah. heck with them. So Ed was sort of correcting him on the air. But you know what? Screw them. You know, he's, he's trying to help people, you know? Yeah, that, that's the thing is, you know, it... You can't go so far as to say that anyone can do anything they want. It's the thought that counts because you can really do some damage and, and offend people and hurt people um, if if you don't but watch it. Everything you say. has context, right? but the, the magnitude of what he's saying or what he's done is, is minor, minor in comparison to what he's doing. He's raised side. over two billion dollars, right? right? Just from him going on the air and showing some good acts and some B, B-rated acts. I'm sure the the ones that come on at 4 a.m. aren't as good as the ones that come on at 8 p.m. Right. But, you know, and 
he's raising all this money and he's he's affecting people's lives. I I'm actually a fan of the guy. I like that sort of slap. I like it. I don't know. I just think he's funny. He, he makes me laugh. Whatever. And I was a little bit like you know, geez, Jerry, that Benny Hanna joke. You know, maybe you shouldn't have said it'll that. make you cringe. But it's not something you write an article about. Yeah, Jeez. it's you're you're not going to uh, you know like just completely go after the guy. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Well, whatever. That's the final word on whatever. Jello. He's he's doing some good work. The MDA is helping people. God bless him, or whatever your favorite deity is, because I don't really have one. You don't have a favorite deity? Uh, Apollo. How about Juniper? Is that a deity? Jupiter is a deity. Yes. No, Bacchus. There you go. Bacchus here. Bacchus is my favorite deity. Okay. Speaking of offending people, you know who else offended me? Who? Whoopi Goldberg. Oh no. She's not. She's she's the rosy replacement. Did you know that? Yes, I was aware. Of She's that. On, on the View. The View. Yeah. And I, again, I don't watch the View. I get all my news from. Uh, I get all my rumor news from and Rush That's right. Of course, you know when he speaks, people listen. Is that E.F. Hutton? Anyways, she, uh, <laughs> Whoopi's Whoopi's uh, the the replacement. She's she's in the seat. And and they thought Rosie was crazy. I don't even know what you're going to talk about, but it sounds like you're going for like the the Whoopi is crazy angle. The first thing she says when she comes out, she starts defending Michael Vick. Defending Michael? She was Vick? defending him. And the angle Well, I she, guess what I would need to hear what she said to to know if it's The angle that she's taken on on the defense of Michael Vick is um he's from the the deep south and he didn't know that this was wrong. Yeah, because the laws are inscribed on stone tablets and those tablets apparently didn't make it to his village. Well, <laughs> first off, he's not from the Deep South. He's from Virginia. And what is the Deep South? What's the Deep South? And and what? Anyone can do anything they want if they're from the Deep South? Ignorance of the law, from what I understand, does not make you, uh, you know, free of the law, I guess. Even if killing dogs and dogfighting wasn't illegal, any moral person would know that it's wrong to take a life like that. It's pointless. It's a waste. It's just wrong. Yep. So it's it's wrong on so many levels. Not just that there's a law against dogfighting. Right. I mean, but and and, you, and she wasn't even going necessarily for the ignorance or ignorance of the law thing. She was saying it's from the deep south and it's more of a cultural thing. And she was sort of saying that you can understand how he would you know really not think that this is a big deal because of it's part of his culture. Well, I'm sorry, but. Does anyone know anything about the the whole uh, honor killing thing in the Muslim culture? You know what that's all about? Please tell me. You don't know about this? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I probably do. Well, I might not though. If a, if a, a a girl, an unwed girl, does something that might be perceived as promiscuous, or she puts herself in a position of of even. It's not even being proved promiscuous, even perceived promiscu- prom- the, promiscuity. The kind of thing that would make Michael Imperioli on the on the Sopranos call her a whore, a whore, a whore, no, or a whore. Yeah, don't don't pronounce the R. That's wrong. He called his mom that once, and yeah. boy, that didn't work out. That whole thing. Well, here's this happens. I wouldn't say every day, but it, but the the honor killing thing is the family will kill her to save the family's honor. And this has happened in the United States. It's happened elsewhere. It's a cultural thing. It's still wrong. I think it's wrong. Now, are you going to excuse the honor killing thing because it's a cultural thing? I'm sorry. There's morality and there's morality. And, and, and a cultural excuse doesn't, doesn't cut it for me. So you don't believe in the prime directive? That's different. <laughs> That's right. Because if this you was can't... on another planet, John, I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with that. You know, 
I agree with you. I, yeah, that's fine. Did you know in, in Roman times, the father of the family had absolute power of the family, and he could take the life of his wife or any of his children and not be subject to any uh, penalty? Yeah, that so makes it's a sense. lot like that. I think we should bring that back. <laughs> well, we apparently they did, and the thing you were, you know, I'm going to be a little less serious and just very briefly on our intro um, talk about the fact that I had a, a my high school counselor was named Mrs. Allen, and she really liked me and got bailed me out of a lot of trouble. I can tell you, when I became a junior, I uh, came. Were out you of, hot for teacher? Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but you know. Let me just put it this way. I came out of my shell in my junior year. Is this a uh, euphemism? Caused a lot of trouble. And Mrs. Allen, who really, really, really liked me, saved my ass at least five or six times from getting expelled and all kinds of problems. So anyway, I have my friend Donna, who we have to interview about her whole uh, family nurturing center thing. Turns out she knows Ann Allen, Mrs. Allen, my counselor. They're not friends, but they're associates. workmates or uh something like that you know what what's the word that's one below friend colleague or acquaintances and um so i'm at the movies last night and donna is there of course and she says guess who i saw the other day and i said i totally forgot we had talked jerry lewis mrs allen and then she goes i saw mrs allen and i said really and she said you know what richard your first name was barely out of my mouth, and she was screaming your last name, and she went on to talk about you for 15 minutes. So apparently wow. I made an impression with uh, Mrs. Allen all these years later, and uh, it's funny because she, apparently, according to Donna, she remembered none of the bad things. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. She remembered only the good things, and I hope to run into Mrs. Allen one of these days very soon because I do want to remind her about the bad things. And on your hot-for-teacher angle, I would say she was probably 30 when I was in high school, and she used to wear sort of mid-thigh skirts with knee-high leather boots, that sort of very late 60s, these boots were made for walking. Go-go boots. Yeah, and I think that's really sexy, and here I am, the 16-year-old guy, my hormones are raging, and my counselor is this beautiful woman (laughs) dressed like that, and I'm going, oh my God. But apparently now she's senile because she remembers none of the bad things. (laughs) That's right, something like that. But anyway, I think it's time for a tune. Yeah, let's rock out. Yeah, let's check it out. Can't see your face 
think you have to apply that directly to your forehead. That is what rock and roll sounds like. Rock and roll! I'm giving you a Roman curse right now, except in most rock and roll circles, it's like a, it's like a cool thing. My, Can uh, you hear him shaking his, uh, it's his horns? The horned hand, yeah. <gasps> you have to bang your head against the table, too. Yeah, that was a band we haven't played in a little while, but I unearthed a uh, CD that the drummer had sent me recently. and Well, I unearthed it recently. It was a CD he sent me a long time ago. That was a band called Numira, and that was on their Head On CD, and that track was called Head On. That's right. And boy, I got to tell you, they get huge guitar sounds. Their last record, which we played a bunch of, had just these in-your-face, just smoking guitar sounds. I'm, I'm, I'm green with envy. They're defunct, though, right? Yeah, they're not around anymore, and I'm not even sure you'll be able to find a link to anything that they're doing on the internet right now. As far as I know, the guitar player is in a Pink Floyd cover band right now. He's the drummer's brother, and the drummer... Is um, he's from Saratoga and he's in some sort of construction business with his dad, but uh, pretty smoking rock and roll. And actually, as I was saying to you earlier, they should have stuck it out because that rock and roll sound that they're playing there is more in vogue now than it probably mm-hmm. was eight years ago, seven years ago when they were doing this project. I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago, they had that Soundgarden kind of sound that was that was pretty popular then. Yeah. So what are we drinking today anyway? We're drinking the Turk. The Turk. Yeah, this is a 2004 blend, but it's mostly uh, Shiraz, and it's, uh, uh, let's see, Turkey Flat Vineyards. This and, is and really good. The Turk. And uh, to use a word I used a while ago, it's very drinkable. Quaffable. It's not very bold. It's not really, you know, just knocking us over with, you know, amazing. But I, I don't know how to say this without sounding negative, but it's 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 very smooth. It's just a nice smooth. Uh, smooth. Smooth, man. Yeah. Smooth. So how's your O-phone? My phone. Your O-phone. Not your iPhone. Your obsolete phone. Yeah, my... I think so. It's not obsolete. No, it is. It's obsolete, No, it's Mr. not obsolete. I read the headline. It's a historical relic, is what That's it is. That's right. It's it's so old and, and obsolete that it's actually now... Um, I don't know. It's coming back in style. It's two months old, and it's obsolete. All right. To catch everyone else up who uh, hasn't been uh, watching the news and doesn't who? really care about anyone... Other than themselves. Which is pretty much all of our listeners, <clears throat> yes. and us included. Yeah. I got and an those iPhone. Of, and those who don't listen to us as well. I bought an iPhone about 30-something days ago, 35, 36 days ago. Yeah, and if you rewind back to that show, you can hear me being um, sounding like a, an angry like parent a girl. scolding him. <laughs> so I got this iPhone, and it's like the hottest thing in the world. And suddenly, suddenly, Apple decides they're going to obsolete it like 60 days after the product was released. You are obsolete. That's right. Twilight so, Zone. So they the um, obsolete man. Was he obsolete? I don't think so, but he was a librarian and books were illegal, so he was obsolete. There As you is your iPhone. iPhones are illegal in that world. <laughs> That's right. So they they dropped the price by 200 bucks, which is what? Like 33%? One third. One third. Yeah, 33%. So they dropped the price by 200 bucks. And they make one of the models, in fact, the one that I bought, the one that doesn't have as much memory. The as 4 gig. Yeah. They made that one discontinued, and they're going to be selling that for, again, 200 bucks less. Well, the, they're selling the 8 gig model for 200 bucks less as well, aren't right. they? Right. Both models are selling for 200 bucks less. So, actually, as a percentage, mine was had even a bigger discount. Yes. Right. Now, everyone who owns an iPhone who, who purchased one and can't get a refund because of... Uh, they bought it after the 14-day price guarantee thing. Everyone was outraged. 
Including you. Including me. I don't even have an iPhone, but I re- when, I, when I read the article, like Wednesday, I rang John's phone, and I'm pretty sure his iPhone picked up, and I went, sucker, right. and he knew immediately what I was talking about. Right, and, and okay, I'm going back to the day that I bought it. I paid for it, and I paid good money for it, and I was willing to pay the money for it, so in that sense, I think Apple is has the right to discontinue and and change the price anytime they want. Well, it's their product. They can do right. what the hell they Absolutely. want. Absolutely. And not to 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 but just curious out of curiosity, what was a 4 gig iPhone going for when you bought it? 4.99. 4.99. Okay. Right. So now they're selling it for 2.99, right. So now they're selling it for 2.99. But wow. Right. So if anything, all it is is really it's insulting. It's insulting. You know why it's insulting? Please tell me. Because the people, and and I'm not necessarily one of these people, the people who are rabid Apple fans. No, John is definitely not one of those people. I know a few rabid Apple fans, Chris. No names. And Mr. Subliminal. And uh, John is not one of them. It's code name. (laughs) Chris. There's a picture of him on our website fondling a Stanley Cup, actually. Oh, wait a minute. Did I say that out loud? He's imagining it as Steve Jobs. But I am not a a rabid Apple fan. I just I think that some of their products are are designed really well and in and in fact I thought the iPhone was designed well enough for me to to shell out some cash for it. Well, and and as a guy who thinks that John is a consumer that bought into the hype and the marketing of the iPhone, as someone as a, as someone who's into technology, if somebody had showed me an iPhone 20 years ago, honestly, I would have said this is Star Trek. I mean, this is ridiculous. Your head would have exploded. I know. I mean, it, it really is a remarkable piece of technology. Does anyone actually need one? No, but anyway, continue. Well, there's a lot of things that we don't need, but oh, any anyways. You're right. There's a lot of things we I, we don't need the best Shure microphones to we do our podcast. We absolutely do not need the creamy NPR sound. No, but, but it works for yet us. Yet I I bought them and right. I like the way they sound. So I, John's not only guilty of mass consumerism. We, all are. we we certainly all are. Okay, so I'm not an, a rabid Apple I'm fan. Less though, <laughs> you're less of much more than that. So the the whole the whole Apple rabid fandom were, were the ones who really supported this device when the when the thing launched. They were the ones standing in line for like hours at the Apple stores waiting for the store to open so that they could get their hands on it before anyone else. These yes. these are the people that Apple every single year, or in fact every 30 days now, when they release new products, <laughs> right. they're the people that they depend on <laughs> every when they obsolete new products. Right. What they've actually done is they've slapped them in the face and they said, "We're we're actually punishing you." For being good fans of us, we're punishing you for being loyal consumers of Apple products, and we're going to make it so that you're not going to trust us anymore. Next time we release something new, you're going to sit on your hands and wait. And that can only be bad business practice. Yeah, and you know, we have a whiteboard, and we sort of whiteboard, we outline this show, and uh, this segment was called, Why Apple Sucks Just Like Everyone Else. Right. Well, and what this did, I think it was a big wake-up call for the rabbit Apple fandom to make them realize that Apple is a business. Businesses are in the business to stay in business at right. the end of the day. They don't love their, their consumers. They they prey on them, and they just try to make it as painless as possible. Well, let me let me put an addendum to that, but there are capitalism and businesses practiced in different ways by different size businesses. Small businesses may actually love their clients and their clientele and not do something like this. But when you get to the size of Apple, which is a multi, 
Well, when a billion dollar business, and I think that there's a line that they practice it completely differently. Absolutely. When you get so big, there's probably a point where you can't necessarily love your customers as much as you did when you were a $10 million a year business, as opposed to a $2 billion a year business. Well, the line is not necessarily a dollar figure. I think that the line is when the business no longer is responsible for just the sustenance of the business and, and the sustenance of the employees, when the business is suddenly responsible, and we've talked about this before, suddenly responsible to stockholders. Well, that means when they have an IPO. So right. the line may be when they have an IPO. It could be a dollar figure. It could be when the, the, the company has an initial public offering of their stocks, when they go public, as it were. I mean, there's probably a, a, a several ways you can measure it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were close. The IPO happened when the company reached a particular size. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I, I'm sure there's an average yeah, bell curve, ex- just like anything else. Exactly, yeah. But... So this is a business practice that Apple is is, uh, partaking in, and they're saying, you know what, we're seeing that the holiday season's coming up, we're seeing that maybe we didn't sell as many iPhones as we thought we were going to on initial release. Which is true. Well, and they sold like a half a million of them, so it's not like they sold 30. Right. And they sold a lot of them. They didn't meet their projections. Right. They didn't meet their projections, so maybe the stock prices dropped a little bit, their their stockholders are rattling their sabers. (laughs) uh, Lightsabers. And so they say, you know, the holiday season's coming up. Let's we're, we've got these other devices in the works that we're going to be releasing, and we're yeah, going to be putting, restyled the uh, the MP3 players. And yeah, stuff. the the new iPod itself has the same kind of touchscreen interface as the iPhone. Yeah, now. it looks like an iPhone. It just doesn't have the phone features. Yeah, right. Which is really all it is. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So so this so they're looking at releasing these things, and they're trying to put together a price point for them. And they're like, well, you know what? Let's make them a price point that's similar to the iPhone. Let's bring the iPhone down a little bit. And it makes perfect business sense. But the timing just sucks bags, man. Especially if you're John freaking Tellerico. Okay, so and everyone, you have a friend named Rich who's going to rub your nose so in. So everyone complains. Everyone complains. Everyone complains. Whiners. I bastards. even wrote a letter to Apple. Like an email or I wrote a paper a, letter? Uh, an email. Who reads paper anymore? You know, you're, I'm sure you're not alone. And the reason, and the, the thing is, in my letter, I didn't, I could even read excerpts later on if you want. No, it's not necessary. Okay. In my letter, we're I going, wasn't, we're going along. I wasn't shaming them and I wasn't saying that they did anything to me personally. I was just saying, I think that this is a, a poor business practice and you have to watch out because in the future, your your opening sales are going to be dismal because on your next everyone's product. going to expect that you're going to lower the price right. in two months. Yeah, and you're going to give them the shaft, as they right. say. And I even said in the letter, I I still think that if you drop the the device from your your products line, or if you lines, dropped it from a tall building, from a tall building, for me, it still works the same as it did when I bought it. It still meets my quote unquote needs. So I'm still happy with the device. It's just that I'm not as happy with business as a, uh, a a company that I feel like doing business with in the future. You know, you, you just don't like grabbing your ankles. I well, enjoy grabbing maybe my ankles. Maybe you do enjoy grabbing your ankles. I, I, yeah. I thought I knew you pretty well, but well, the thing is, I was one of those people who was on the fence. Who I appreciated Apple's industrial design. I appreciated the way that they they seem to be more focused on the lifestyle as opposed to let's just crank out more megahertz in the device they seem to be more in in tune with uh making sure that the devices were 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 solid i I think they're in tune with fashion certainly well i'm not talking just about the the casing i mean i like their industrial design but i also think that they their their devices are more reliable their pcs 
are more reliable than a standard PC running Windows. We'll put it that way. I don't know about that. The machine I'm running, I've been running about four or five years now with the same hard drive, and I'm just floating along editing our podcast. Are you running Windows constantly? I run Windows once a week. Well, I'm, running, there you go. I'm running Linux constantly. Right, but... and, and Apple OS is based on Unix. So, anyways, and their interface Stolen. Their inter- <laughs> everything is stolen. Their interface, I think, has is something that's a little bit better than the the Windows interface and Vista well, I, stole I it. I hate the Vista interface, yeah. but for me, I can never get on any computer I sit in front of. So this whole idea that the Apple interface is better, of course, Apple just stole it from Xerox Park with the Alto. Everything so. is stolen from everyone else. It, I'm just saying that they... Who stole the Alto? That was original idea when Xerox Park came up with the... Uh... I'm sure that it was inspired by something else. Can you tell me what it was? <laughs> Well, we had this conversation about Da Vinci. You were, you were through some email out about well, who did Da Vinci copy, and I'm like, he copied the people that he was looking at in the past, yeah, the, yeah, the and Greeks. Then, and then I asked, could Da Vinci play in the dead of night or whatever right. that UK song was? And John said he could make it his bitch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so oh, there you go. Man. I don't know. Well, yeah, I I'm with you. I'm actually I don't even own an iPhone and. I don't think I own any products manufactured by Apple, but I'm angry about this. I can know? give you one. I know. You've got your MP3 player. You really don't need it anymore since you have the MP3 player. If you player want one, open. you can have it. Okay. But that oh, see, I- there you go. You're an <laughs> Apple consumer. It's free. I'm not consuming. It's free. It was a gift. No, they have to use iTunes, and then you'll be sucked right into the whole thing. I use iTunes once a week. I use iTunes to attach our Bloodthirsty Vegetarians logo graphic to our podcast MP3. Okay, I don't want to make this segment go 10 times longer than it has to, but there's one more thing I want to mention about Apple that happened today. What? Whoa. Today. Talk about cutting edge. Well, well, first thing, it didn't happen today. It happened yesterday. Steve Jobs actually felt compelled after all the people complaining to he, to do a, like a mea culpa kind of thing. Oh yeah, the hundred dollar credit at the Apple store. Yeah, he, and he, he had a sex change. <laughs> that's right. And he said that Bill Gates is his bitch. So what he did <laughs> is he he came out and he wrote this letter, this open letter to Apple customers saying we still think we made the right business decision, but we because you know we want to essentially not raise the hackles of all of our consumers. We're going to give any iPhone customer a $100 store credit. Right. We want to we want to insert our longest erectile into your anus, but we don't want to make it bleed as bad. <laughs> to me, this whole letter is basically like saying, okay, we're sorry that we yanked away your heroin supply, Mr. Addict. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you credit for more heroin. <laughs> right. And at the end of the day, a $100 credit at a store, depending on margins, may be a 50 to $75 loss for Apple. So a $100 credit may be really a 50 So they're forcing you to buy more product at their store, and it's probably going to be a product that's more, you know, I always wanted to get the MP3 player for the wife, so now I'll do that. Right. So you're going to get a new iPod. And, which is probably more right. than a $100 credit. Right. So you're going to have to spend more money. It's actually a, it's a smart idea because he can actually raise money by giving money away. And I'm sure it was part of the plan when they did it. These guys think about these kinds of things. There's no way in hell that they didn't think about the consequences of making that, that announcement. There's no way. I mean, they're so slick and polished that they knew right down to the, the sentence structure that they were going to use. They had that letter drafted way in advance. Right. So, anyway. But the last thing, this is the thing that happened today. iTunes was released, a new version of iTunes was released that had new functionality in it. This was also part of the announcement when they released the new iPods and all the other stuff. iTunes was released with new functionality so that if you have an iPhone, you could take one of the the songs that you've got in, in iTunes and take a section of it and turn it into a ringtone. 
Right, yeah. But you would have to pay for that. Right. So you're paying for something that you already own. Right. To use it in a different well, way. you're paying for something that you have paid royalties to use. You don't really own it. Well, the song is owned by right. those who wrote it. Hair splitting, whatever. So the, the guys, they created this software in, in iTunes and they released it and everyone's got it. And, and then suddenly within like minutes, someone said, you know what? I figured out that all you have to do in iTunes is change the extension to one of the MP3 files to M4R or something like that. And it becomes a ringtone and you can just put it on your iPhone without having to do anything. Which is great. Which is awesome. I love the crackers. Yeah. Today, I've, iTunes was released 7.4.1, which which specifically makes that impossible. I am never going to upgrade iTunes again. Well, unless it upgrades itself. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, you, you have to actually force it to upgrade. You can't oh. do it. So I've got free ringtones. Ha ha. There you go. There let's, you go. let's play a tune. You want to play a tune? I'm going to play a tune. Let's play a tune.
joker wants to make a fool of you Ask yourself the questions and the answers fall about My friend John Hudson with a song called It's Up to You. And that had a, a vaguely reminiscent feel to uh, some other, uh, another artist that we may have heard in the past Rolling Stones, uh, the Kinks, the uh, Bay City Rollers, <laughs> Johnny Rotten, Johnny Dangerously. <laughs> you know, his last name is an adverb. It is. That's right. And he has a friend with an 88 Magnum, it shoots through schools. <laughs> that's right. So, you know, I saw a film that I was not certain if I... I mean, the title was Vitus, right? V-I-T-U-S, which is also, a, at least it was in the 80s, a bike frame manufacturer. Vitus. Vitus. And um, so I saw this at Munson Williams last night, and it's a Swiss film directed by Freddie M. Muir, rated PG-13 for mild thematic elements and language. What is a mild thematic element? I don't know, but, you know, he was trying to get it on with a girl seven years older than him, so that might be a mild thematic element. To me, a mild thematic element says it's pretty mediocre in every single way. (laughs) That's right. 123 minutes subtitled, and this film was kind of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off with some more serious overtones, you know? Ferris Bueller was pretty much a straight-up comedy, and this certainly wasn't a comedy by any stretch of the imagination. This was certainly more of a drama. But what this film was about was about a child who was a prodigy. He was gifted in anything scholastic, and he happened to also be an amazing musician. He was an amazing pianist. What'd you call him? A pianist. Oh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. And although he recognized, I think he recognized his own talents, at the same time, he kind of wanted to be a normal child, you know? sort of his parents recognized his talents and through the consultation of other people put him in a music school right an advanced music school and he kind of longed for just being a normal kid 
and just being able to hang out with the other kids, playing his video games and doing that kind of thing. So something tragic happened, oddly enough, which uh, caused that to happen. An anvil fell on his head. Something like that, yeah. He had some sort of injury. An acme rocket exploded. There was a coyote involved. (laughs) A roadrunner, I think, as well. And he became a normal, for lack of a better word, child again. So this is like the the opposite of that John Travolta movie where something happened and he became smart. Oh, phenomenon? Phenomenon. Yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of that. Exactly. Um, There were parts of this film where I just wanted to throttle the mom because the mom wasn't getting it. Yes, the kid is a prodigy and he has an amazing amount of talent, but it's not about her. It's about him. You know, she was scolding him because he might not have wanted to practice piano nine hours instead of eight, you know, and and it's just like, lady, relax. Hey, lady. <laughs> exactly. And just like in, I mean, I not that there's any real comparisons between Ferris Bueller and this film, but the things that it had in common were th- themes like the child being smarter than the adults and actually uh, controlling the scenarios and the situations. They stole without a Ferrari. The, without the parents knowing it. Well, stole was a strong word, you know. <laughs> His best friend wore a Flyers jersey or something. He wore a lot of hockey <laughs> Red Wings jersey. And uh, Ferrari went shooting out the back of an apartment. Yeah. Another thing I liked about this film was the fact that it was filled with music. You know, the child was always playing piano, almost always playing piano, Wendy, until the uh, terrible, tragic thing happened. And the the film kind of stressed the idea of he, you know, music as a healing medium, which I thought was really good. And another thing that I found interesting about this film that sort of intersects with reality is the child's father worked. For, he was an engineer who worked at a hearing aid company called Phonaxis. <laughs> and to tie it in with what we talked about last week, the team that sponsored Floyd Landis was called Phonak, That's and it right. was a Swiss hearing aid manufacturer with green as their logo. And whenever they went to like Phonaxis's website in the film, it was a, hear- a Swiss hearing aid manufacturer with green as their logo. So I thought that it's was a coincidence. A, sort of purely a coincidence. But yeah, I really like this film. I, I thought the child was, I thought it was fascinating that they were able to find a child who could really play piano at the prodigy level as a 12 year old and still act. And, uh, I just thought it was remarkable, you know, that they were able to find this this child with this amazing gift. And they could have uh, called Ronald Jenkins anytime. They could have called. The they could have called Ronald Jenkins. And the one of the things that was happening while the child was he was sort of longing to be a normal child, but his parents wanted him to go to some music school, you know, ten years beyond his his age to lay down some beats, to, to lay down some nasty grooves, some hot smoking grooves. And uh, we saw the grandfather quite a bit. And whenever he sort of wanted to regress, for lack of a better word, into normalcy, he would go hang out with his grandfather, who was sort of a pilot wannabe. You know, he was sort of one of these guys who uh, he was a carpenter, a cabinet maker by trade, but he would be always be playing like Microsoft Flight Simulator (laughs) and things like that. But I, I don't know how to describe this film, but I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was very sweet, and I, I liked the overall message that it uh, that it said, and I, I think most people would enjoy it, actually. Cool. Well, I like movies with music. I'll probably put this on my list. I like mu- music and movies about outsiders, which this pretty much covers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I 
something about this film that really lured me in. I wasn't sure what I was going to think about it in advance, but as the film played before my eyes and I saw how the film was developing, I went, wow, this is a really good story. It, it reminds me when you're describing it, it probably has nothing to, to do with it, but it reminds me of that Jodie Foster movie called Little Man Tate. Have you heard of this? Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's similar story in that there's this kid who's a prodigy, but he's more of a genius level mathematics kind of thing. And the mother is totally dysfunctional and dumb and played by Jodie Foster. And she's dealing with this kid who's basically more of an adult than she is. But yeah, it's, it sounds very similar to that. Yeah. And again, Ferris Bueller fans, you're going to like this film. Because? Just because. He, he plays a Beatles song in the middle of a Chicago parade. Exactly. And That's dances, the only similarity. And there's a float. <laughs> there's a float. <laughs> and uh, I think Abe Froman, Sausage King, makes a, a cameo in this film as well. Right. The, the Swiss Abe Froman, Sausage King. So anyway. How do you spell Froman in Swiss? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. Froman the, with Swiss. That the sounds show, like a sandwich. The show is done. I just got a feeling. No, it's Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. So check us out on the web, www.ronaldjenkies.com. W.bloodyveg.com. Hit the forum and respond to anything that we say. Which had didn't happen at after the last show. I know. Not even Kirsten replied. I know. People have to respond to anything we say, including the send us money things. Right. Um, forum. slash forum. Leave us feedback to our email address. Feedback at bloodyveg.com. Check us out on YouTubes. <laughs> anyway... Remember, you've been listening to the VIB, and um, hopefully the show will sound like something when it's done. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Because we had all kinds of problems. See you later.